0: Hello and welcome to Little Gold Men, the award season podcast
1: from Vanity Fair. I am delighted and proud to introduce him as Academy Award winner.
2: And the Oscar goes to...
1: And the Oscar goes to... The winner, it's a tie. And any little girl who's, who's practicing their speech on the telly, you never know.
2: Mom, I just want an Oscar.
0: I am Katie Rich. I'm here for today's interview episode with Rebecca Ford. Hi, Katie. Rebecca, you have our interview on this week's episode. You sat down and talked to the star of both the film version and the Broadway version of The Color Purple, Danielle Brooks.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I'm a believer in fate. And hearing her story, you're just like, oh, this was fated to happen because that was her first Broadway experience as a audience member was seeing The Color Purple and realizing like, yes, someone who looks like me can have this sort of career. And then she was in the Broadway revival. She got nominated for a Tony for it. She, um, you know, the cast won a Grammy and then she's in the, the theatrical version that that's coming out now. So it just feels like this was her path in one way or the other. She was going to end up there. But she did have to audition, which I found surprising. Yeah, she posted the
0: video of where Oprah Zoomed her and told her that she had the role, which to me, I was just like, but she she is. Like, like how can she like have been in doubt about that? But I guess that's what happens with a production this large. You know, she is the she's the only person who carried over from the Broadway production or at least from the production that she was in. I know Fantasia Barrino had been in another version of it. So, you know, they really did rethink it from the ground up, it seems.
1: Yeah, she had to do a like a chemistry read um, as well before she got the role with uh, Corey Hawkins, who she's good friends with from Juilliard. So it did feel like everything aligned for her. But I'm sure, you know, she wasn't the only one who wanted to play Sophia in this, so uh, you know, it was still a fight. Yeah, the uh, her scenes with Corey Hawkins. You know, The Color Purple is a really heavy emotional movie, and she is the
0: um, the comic relief throughout a lot of it. But her dynamic with Corey Hawkins mainly made me think like, get them, can we get them a rom com or just something mm. like they're so wonderful together on screen. Like every scene they have together, you want more.
1: Yeah, there's definitely a lot of chemistry there, and and yeah, I think this role is tough because it this character does have a difficult storyline, but also does provide a lot of those more comedic elements so that's that's a really you know um tightrope walk and and she really pulls it off and i i see why you know every screening of this movie she's getting a standing ovation because it it is quite a performance yeah Uh, well i can't wait to hear about it let's
0: hear your conversation with the star of the color purple danielle brooks
1: I'm so excited to welcome Danielle Brooks to the podcast today. She stars in The Color Purple as Sophia, um, a film I got to see and will be out for the holidays and is such a wonderful theatrical experience with your family or your friends. And I can't wait for everyone to see it. Um, Danielle, I do want to start with um, this video that actually brought me to tears that I saw recently of your daughter watching uh, the trailer for The Color Purple in the theater. Can you tell me about that experience for you?
2: Yes. So, you know, when you are doing these big films, they sometimes like let you know when your trailer is going to, you know, be presenting itself in theaters. And so uh, the the publicity team had told us that it would be showing during Barbie and Little, Little Mermaid. And my daughter was three at the time. She has never been to a theater. And so I got her and her little friend girls together Mm -hmm. (laughs) and wanted to take them to see, you know, their first um, movie. And it was just so perfect because she's getting to see someone that looks like her, Halle Bailey, Mm -hmm. um, take on the role and, you know, I dressed her up as a little princess mermaid. And <laughs> and when it came on, I knew that I, like, that day I knew I only had one shot to get this because I was not coming back to the theater <laughs> to, like, <laughs> just purposely tape my daughter. <laughs> um, but I just knew I wanted her to see her mom on that screen and... So I set up my camera, had two phones. I set one up on her and set one up on the screen and um, didn't know what was you know her reaction was going to be. But she was just filled with joy, you know, and it filled my heart, immediately brought tears to my eyes. And I just got so emotional um, because at the end of the day, you want to leave your child with something. You know, I want to leave her with something. and And to be able to do that... To like bring legacy to my family and um, giving her something to be proud of. Growing up, there's memories in that story, even between her and I. That sh- I'll get to share with her one day, like the fact that you know Blitz was so gracious to try to put Fria in the movie, and mm-hmm. we dressed her up and you know, did her hair and she got hair and makeup and everything. And baby girl, you know, her time to shoot was right in the middle of her nap time and it did not go well. (laughs) So so those are memories that I'll get to share with her. So, yeah, I'm very glad that I got got to capture that
1: moment. Yeah, I think, I mean, this film whether it's the uh, original version or the Broadway or the book, like this story has such a significant emotional significance for so many people, especially as you're saying, you know, people that get to see people that look like them on screen. Why did you feel like, yes, it's time to to tell this story again in a film? Like, why did you feel like, you know, you wanted to be part of this retelling?
2: This story means so much to me, Rebecca. It Mm -hmm. starts... For me, at 15, when I first came to New York for the first time, little girl from South Carolina who loved the theater, um, I, was, I won this uh, internship that Bravo was doing to promote diversity, and they, like, let 15 kids and their parents come to New York for free mm-hmm. and taught us how to make, you know, little short videos and took us to the Today Show and stuff. And we had some downtime, and my dad took me to see... The Color Purple. It was my first Broadway show that I got to see. And I was mind blown to see people that looked like me in a professional setting. Because people who grow up in small towns like myself, you know, and at the time, it's like 2005, there was no one that was doing this. The closest... I had was Kevin Garnett. Like, Kevin Garnett (laughs) was the guy who came from Malden, South Carolina. You know, that was the closest representation to making it that I had. Um, And so I was so taken aback to see that there was possibilities for this theater thing that I loved. Um, And I just became obsessed with the story. Um, I became obsessed with getting to Broadway, finding a way to make it. And so I think that for me, just how full circle it has been, you know, being that I starred in uh, the Broadway um, revival in 2015. Mm -hmm. um, I just know the power of representation. I know the power of telling your own stories and seeing yourself reflected in any media. And so to get to do that again, you know, for somebody that, you know, will now be that 15 year old girl from that small town um, to Mm -hmm. get for them to see me now and help to fulfill their dream by seeing me in this position. That's a big deal. That's what Lachance was for me. That's what Felicia P. Fields was. Oprah was. Whoopi was. Um, and so now to get to fulfill that for someone else by the retelling of such an important historical story, um, that's just what you want. The Run for Revoke is where you'll meet all the most exciting people in fashion and culture. I am Friendly Um, who should be the mayor of New York.
1: We all support yeah. that. We support that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> Nikki. Yes. It's been really great Chill being in this beautiful pink room. All right, Asha, can you hear us? I can hear you. All right. Can you hear me? We can. We can. All right, here we are.
0: <laughs> On the podcast, you'll learn how Vogue really works. Sometimes we'll come in for a second or even third run-through until we are AWOC.
2: Can you tell us what AWOK means? It means um A-W-O-K, Anna Winter OK. I'm Cho Minardi. And I'm Chloe Mel. And we're the hosts of the run through of Vogue, where fashion and culture collide. Join us, it's a walk. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.
1: And as you mentioned, you played Sofia on Broadway for a year. You got it. A- Tony nomination, you have experience with this character. It feels like you would have been a shoe in for the film version, but it sounds like you had to work for it.
2: <laughs> oh, honey, I worked. This is not an easy road <laughs> by any means. Um, yeah, so I found out about it. I don't know that maybe there were talks about it in like 2019, 2020. And so I just kept, you know, casually Every blue moon texting Scott Sanders, the producer, being like, hey, you know, I'm available. <laughs> and uh, he was pretty, like, diplomatic about it. He was pretty, like, neutral, not, you know, showing his cards at all. Yeah. And um and so my team uh, was like, we're going to get you a meeting with the director, Blitz. So I ended up having that meeting in um 22 years ago. So what, 2021? Okay. With Blitz in March. And we talked for like an hour, hour and a half, two hours um, about the story, about his, um, you know, viewpoint on what he wants to do with this. And, um, you know, just my thoughts about Sophia. And um, I didn't hear anything for a long time after that conversation. And I and so maybe like a few months later, they asked me to uh, put myself on tape to do Hell No, the song. And in Mm -hmm. my spirit, I'm like, you know, there's this part of you that ego comes up and you're like, I want a Grammy with (laughs) y'all doing this. Why are y'all making me sing? I didn't like my voice hasn't changed. If anything, it's gotten better. So, like, what are we doing? But I kept telling myself, do not get in the way of your blessing. You know, so I humbly put myself on tape for it and waited it some months again. And then I remember hearing about some actor. I don't remember who it was, but I heard some actor, like, writing the director. They wrote the director how much they wanted the part. Hmm. So I was like, look, I ain't got nothing to lose. I'm going <laughs> to write Blitz a letter. <laughs> so I wrote Blitz a letter just expressing how much I cared for this part in this character. And even if I wasn't the person for his movie, I wish it and pray it the best. Hmm. And still didn't hear anything. But that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, in September, so now we go from March to September. That's about six months. um, I get a call from my agent saying they want you to do a chemistry read with Corey, Mm. who plays Harpo. And now, Corey and me go back way back. We went to Juilliard together. We've known each other since I was 17, he was 18. Um, And so, like, we're best friends. And and I don't know how much they know about our relationship, but when they told me to do a chemistry weed with my best friend, I was like, man, this is about to be like warm butter on bread. This is going to be so easy. Like, (laughs) you know, because we've built a trust and. We have had our ups and downs in our relationship as friends. So it's there, you know. And so um I did the chemistry read with Corey. And I remember I finished that, you know, and then they called me back like maybe 20 minutes after. Everybody was blowing on my phone because I had my phone on silent. Everybody was blowing on my phone, blowing. And um somebody finally got to me. And they're like, we want you to get back on the screen, because I did that audition, uh, the chemistry read on Zoom. And they were like, we want you to get back on the screen. So I get back on the screen, and I'm thinking, oh my god, they were going to tell me I got the part. They're going to tell me I got the part. They're Mm going to tell me I got the part. It's so exciting. (laughs) They did not tell me I got the part. (laughs) They were like, um, yes, we want you to retape this one, you know, scene. I was like, oh, man. But this is all good stuff. So I do it. And then September 19th, I'll never forget, because it was um, two days after my birthday. uh, You know, I get the surprise call um, from Miss Oprah herself saying that she is now going to pass the baton of Sophia to me and it when i tell you rebecca my heart was so full because this industry is so tricky to navigate yeah you know and it'll mess you up sometimes and make you feel that you have to be a diva that you have to be you know walk around with this huge ego of like i know who i am and like just like it it like i've seen people Succeed off this negative energy, right? But that's not my spirit. And Mm -hmm. so to go through this six, seven month journey of trying to get this part with humility, with knowing that I've been Tony nominated, knowing that I have a Grammy from doing this same role, having done it for a year, you know, still saying, you know what, I'm gonna let God work. As you know, it says in the movie, the good Lord works in mysterious ways. I'm going to let him do his thing and I'm going to get out the way um, instead of like bringing that energy to it. And so I'm just grateful that like it worked out the way that it did um, and that it just taught me like you can handle things just with humility and like with grace and, Hmm. you know, whatever is for you, like it'll never miss you. It's always going to be there. So
1: tell me about preparing to play Sevilla for the film because is it like riding a bike like you've done this role you know several years ago or because you've changed the prep changed I mean what was it like Yeah
2: oh man <laughs> it's it opens up it's like a pandora's box getting to go back mm-hmm. I love exploring a character in this way because first of all there's so many layers to it yes to your first point my life has changed I am a mother now. I am a Mm -hmm. wife now. I know because that relationship between Harpo is so crucial. Like I actually know what that looks like now to have a commitment to a partner, you know, and what it is to give birth and to be scared Mm -hmm. of dying, giving birth. And there's all these things, the, the layers that I didn't have before. Right. Which is awesome. But then you have this other complexity that I, I really enjoyed exploring as an actor because like, when we did the Broadway version, you know, we did it in a essentially a black box. You know, it was just wood. Yep. It was just chairs, wooden chairs. And that was it. We used our imagination, which is the first basis for an actor anyway, using your right. imagination. So we're using sheets as mm-hmm. representation of a baby, you know, folded up sheets. And, you know, we're, I, I don't have a white mob of people uh, beating up right. Sophia. You know, the audience has to, like, imagine that with me. So it's almost like coloring with a crayon box of like 12 colors. But then when you get in film and you have the layers of being on an actual plantation and going through this plantation with trillions of trees around you and thinking about the brothers and sisters that were hung on that tree and feeling the wind, you know, and and, and seeing the the dirt on your 1930s type boots, you know, it's just a whole different ball game that you get to play with. And now it's like, I'm playing with a box of crayons with 64 crayons, you know, in there, 64 (laughs) crayons. And so like my world just opened up so much. And then you have the layer of a different vision, you know, Mm. you, uh, with Blitz being the director, you different actors that you're working with and what they bring to it. And so, it was so much fun creatively and as an artist to just continue to go deeper and deeper. And I'm really grateful that I did have a year playing her in advance because I kind of was able to settle into it a mm-hmm. lot more than I think I would have if I didn't know her so well. Yeah. The other layer of it is like the Oprah, too. <laughs> there's this pressure like you know that but anyway
1: well I mean let's go there because you know you're playing the role that she debuted as a a screen actor with and she's the producer on this film. So I assume she was there on set watching you do this work. What is that like for you? Uh, What was that like? Do you have to sort of just pretend that's not happening?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I kind of had to find a way to block her out. It's really hard. You know, she has such an energy. No one can block Oprah out. Um, How could you, right? I remember like sitting there reading like Violet Davis's book, Um, her biography, just trying to like zen out from knowing that Oprah was right there. You know what I mean? It was anything I could do to just like (laughs) focus in, like, I was like really trying to meditate and stuff. Um, but she was really gracious to give me the space to bring my own Sophia to the screen. But also Mm -hmm. at the same time, like, she was there to hold my hand through it. You know, there was moments where I did call on her and I was like, Miss O, I don't know how I'm going to do this scene for the third time. And I don't mean the third time that day. I mean the third time in three multiple different days where you're shooting Mm -hmm. the same scene. And I'm like, I've given everything I could possibly give. Everything. I've called on every ancestor I could possibly call on. I don't think I can do this again. And she was like, Danielle, they will still be with you. You got this. I promise you, whatever you need will show up. And um, that's, that's really what I needed to hear in those moments. Uh, so, yeah, she's just been such a generous spirit, Um You know, it was intimidating at times. (laughs) And hence why I'm very glad that I did play this part for a year because I was able to just kind of like breathe through that. Um, But, yeah, I'm grateful that she really let me find my own, you know, and hold my own. Because what she did in that 1985 version was incredible. It was immaculate. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, she was Sophia. And um, but now this generation gets to see somebody else embody that and bring all of, you know, my background and my story and who I am to this character.
1: I'm Chris Murphy. I'm Richard Lawson.
2: And I'm Hillary Busis.
1: We are from Vanity Fair's still watching podcast. Next up, we're watching the new HBO show The Regime. Madam Chancellor, let's keep the gloves on.
2: This is not a confrontation. We're just saying what's true.
1: Academy Award winner Kate Winslet is our chancellor as she leads a faux-European autocracy in turmoil. We'll be watching week by week as the regime unravels.
2: And we'll be talking to the stars along the way.
1: New episodes of Still Watching will drop every Sunday after the
2: regime airs.
1: And I'm sure it's different, but... How do you prepare when you have a big musical number to do, whether it's on stage or on screen like that? What are sort of your rituals when it's when you know you're going to have to do that kind of show stopping number?
2: Oh, I mean, first of all, we got to give credit to Fatima Robinson, the incredible um, choreographer. I leaned on her, number one, because I look I would love to say I'm a triple threat, but (laughs) to be honest, the dancing thing is not like my forte per se. se. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm the type that loves to live and not be, not to live in fear. Like I'm the type of person who tries to be fearless. You know, I'd rather fall on my face than not try. Mm -hmm. And so I just really let, you know, Fatima and her team um, lead me in that hell no number and and Bliss was so cool too because like he really found a way to let us fly, like he mm-hmm. listened to us. That's how he allowed us to fly. He like just said, you know what? I handpicked you for a reason, so I'm going to give you permission to bring all of your ideas into the room. And so like that scene, like where I'm doing hell no, and they put it in the promos where I'm kicking the door. That was my idea. I was like Bliss. Sophia ain't just going to open the door. Like, she going (laughs) to kick a door. Like, can y'all, like, make the door, you know, hinge the door, fix the door, however, so that I can kick it in? And they changed the door. It originally was where I couldn't kick it in. But they Mm -hmm. changed the door for me to kick it in. So, um, you know, I just go with the choreographer and go with my own thoughts of who she is. And they let me just move and go how I felt Sophia would would
1: go. Well, it turned out incredible. And I think the film really showcases performances. You know, it is big and cinematic, but you get to really appreciate so many incredible performers. Was there anyone on the cast that you were working with maybe for the first time or that you sort of surprised you in, in how uh, impressive they were?
2: Ooh, that's a good question. I mean, <laughs> first of all, the cast is so fire. It's so fire. Yeah. Um, of course, I was so grateful to work with Corey Hawkins. I have to start there because I we know each other's journey. We've done plays together. We did Raisin in the Sun together. We've done Macbeth together. We've done, you know, everything you could imagine. We've seen each other in the most vulnerable places working together mm-hmm. at school. And so to get to do this and go on this journey, this huge journey together as friends, as artists, to have seen each other through it all. And and not only that, to, like, have supported each other through it all. Yeah. Um, to get to to do this together and, um, you know, the trust that we have built as artists together. Like, I could do anything. And Corey was right there with me mm-hmm. on screen. And he could throw anything at me. And he was right there with me on screen. So I, I really enjoy working with him. And I I, I hope to to work with him as many times as Denzel's work with Viola. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. um, but Coleman Domingo, man, that, man. So I have a crazy story because I've known Coleman for a while, Rebecca. And um, I met him right when I graduated college. So around 2011, 2012, Coleman was at Signature Theater in New York, and I think he was just p- finished performing something. I had just seen him in Passing Strange and was like a huge fan. And I was struggling. I was really struggling to get my first acting job. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you come out of school, you audition and you hear no, 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 no. And, you know, to be honest, college did not prepare us for auditions because we didn't audition in school. Right. And so I went up to Coleman and I was like, brother, I admire your work. But I have to tell you right now, I don't know if I am made for this business. I am not booking anything. Mm. And he just encouraged me. He was like, sis, you got to keep going. You got this. There's such spark in you. You know, you're made for this. And to now, however many years later, 10 years later, 10, 11 years later, to have gotten to act with somebody who I admire so much because he's a character actor, and that's the type of actor I I loved being. I like to explore and, um, you know, just play different people that the world never even thought I could play. Right. And Coleman's like that. So getting to rock with him, especially that opening scene when Sophia meets Mr. For the First Time, I knew that was going to be spicy because I just was like, I'm going to throw the kitchen sink at this man. Let's go. Let's see if he can keep the ball in the air. Yeah. And he did. <laughs> it was a lot of fun.
1: It's such a great scene. And that's such a beautiful story about how you got to reunite at this point in your career. Um, we're almost out of time, but I, I wanted to sort of look ahead. Obviously, there's movies coming out over the holidays, but what is next for you? I feel like you've been so successful on stage and television and film. What is like on your mind about where your path goes next?
2: I feel like I'm just going to let the universe lead me where I'm supposed to go. Mm -hmm. I'm not in any means done, you know, like I'm just getting started. Yeah. But what's important to me is making sure that people that relate to me are seen. Mm -hmm. And especially for the like the dark skin plus size girls I really want Hollywood to expand how they view us and see us because we're so complex there's so much that we are and what we can do and what we're capable of. And so I just want to keep pushing that, pushing that. And so that's why I'm, like, really grateful for, like, people like Gingy Cohan, who put me in Orange, but also, like, James Gunn, who put me Mm -hmm. in Peacemaker to do an action TV show, you know, to show. Like, I ain't never seen, like, look, I ain't no superhero now. I ain't saying (laughs) I'm Harley Quinn. But (laughs) I'm over there, you know, shooting guns and running through fields and playing with John Cena. Like, We can do that, too. You know, so I just want to keep breaking that 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 uh, box open so that the opportunities can be greater. And we're not just playing maids and women that have been battered in the 1930s and, you know, playing old heroes that we love. But Mm -hmm. I just really want it to expand.
0: That does it for this week's show. Happy holidays, everybody. We will be back next week with more interviews and a return to award season in full force. Uh, Find all of our award season coverage in the meantime at Vanity Fair, on social media at BF Awards Insider. I'm around the internet at Katie Rich and Rebecca. Rebecca M. Ford. Our editor and producer, as always, is Brett Fuchs.